Hello and welcome to United Q Barbecue Podcast, the only barbecue podcast in the UK, brought to you by your host Dan from United Q and his co-host Barbecue Forte. Hello. This episode is brought to you by our kind sponsors, ProQ Smokers. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. And on today's show we have Simon Dyer. Hello Simon. Hi lads, all right? Yeah, great. You? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Um, can you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners, please? Uh, my name is Simon Dyer. Um, I'm a farmer from the West Country, um, and I've got a bad passion for barbecue. <laughs> and what what really got you known for barbecue for us in the UK, Simon? Um, last year I competed on Barbecue Champ, um, which was hosted by Adam Richmond, uh, Mylene Class, and Mark Blatchford, and I was lucky enough to win it. Wow. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I think everyone in the UK that's into barbecue definitely tuned in and watched you smash that. <laughs> Thank you. It was um, it was some hard work. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't say luck. I wouldn't say it was down <laughs> to luck. I'd say yeah, hard work and and some cracking food you put together, which was which was awesome. Great to see. Thank you. Thank you. So we'll, we'll get on and we'll chat a bit about barbecue champ later on. But if we just start off a bit like background and chat about you and what you've got at home and stuff, so. What, what barbecues have you got in your arsenal at home at the moment? Most of my barbecues are homemade or slightly tweaked. Um, my place is like a, a barbecue retirement home. People are bringing me old barbecues all the time, and I end up tweaking them um, and giving them a, a new life. So what have I got at the moment? The saviour of barbecues, yeah. Simon Dyer. <laughs> Uh, I've got four ugly drums of differing sizes. I've got a little um, 12-gallon barrel that I made for my son. Um, uh, three 45-gallon uh, ones. I've got a tea drum barbecue that was made up uh, by a good friend of mine, Al Atkinson. Um, that's a 45-gallon drum that stands up vertically that's cut off and then a horizontal drum put on the side. So it almost looks like one of those drum barbecues fitted onto an ugly drum. Um, I've got two Cajun microwaves. Um, what else have I got? Um, oh, an old rubber sheet offset. Um, a Texas-style grill, so uh, like the drum barbecues that we cooked on at Barbecue Champ. Um, a Texas-style block pit where I've got the burning barrels and I burn down all the wood and then shovel the uh, embers into that. Um, that thing's got a, a seven foot by four foot grill, so I could probably fit two pigs and four lambs on it. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Have you? I've got a Weber 47 Smoky Mountain, um, a couple of flat grills, uh, a Perilla, um, what else have I got? Oh, and uh, a couple of 57 uh, Weber kettle grills. See, well, next time my wife tells me I've got too many barbecues, I'll send her to you. <laughs> They're just breeding here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just play her the intro to this and she'll, she'll forgive me forever. <laughs> so how did that passion start, Simon? How did you end up with that huge fleet that you've developed now? Uh, well, I did say... Um, for the, the barbecue champ, I've been cooking almost as, as long as I've been allowed to use matches or a lighter. Um, 
and I have. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a text after he saw me on Barbecue Champ and said, who'd have thought that 42 years ago uh, we were sitting on a hillside cooking corn on the cob over an open fire? He said, who'd have thought it had gone from there um, to where it is now? So literally, I just, I, I love cooking outside. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Those nights when you're sat on a hillside with a bit of corner cob open the open flame. That that is what it's all about. Yes, yeah, it certainly is. I, ju- I just love cooking outside. Uh, using all different techniques, whether it be hot and fast. I like low and slow. I like cooking big lumps of meat. I, I just like experimenting. What, what would you say your favourite thing to cook is then? Oh, my favourite thing to cook... Uh, I enjoy cooking brisket, but it's one of my nemesis. Um, I love cooking ribs, but uh, the, the same thing. Uh, I mean, I think those are my two worst um, categories of cooking. <laughs> Chicken, pulled pork. Um, I, I like cooking fish. Uh, you name it. I mean, the only thing that holds you back Sorry, Simon, we lost you there a second. Could you say it again? I'm sorry, the only, th- the only thing that, that holds people back with that cooking outside or cooking on barbecues is their imagination. Yeah, you so know, they, they, There are techniques for cooking just about everything you want to. Yeah. Uh, barbecue and cooking outside, every country in the world has a culture of that. You know, we all started off cooking over open fires uh, and it's just gone on from there. And yeah, it is one of my passions. That's awesome. That's exactly how me and Barbecue Forte feel about about uh, barbecuing and just cooking outside in general. Just yeah, so that they share the same beliefs as us, which is awesome. So you, yes. so you're a big fan of building the barbecue and stuff. Do you make many of your own rubs and sauces and that type of thing? Um, I started off um, making rubs. So when I started out um, barbecuing, I didn't realise there was such a community out there. Uh, the the wealth of knowledge um, that's out there and people that are willing to share. Um, I'm an absolute technophobe. Um, me and computers just don't get on very well. Um, obviously, I've never really been taught to use one. So I started off looking up things on the internet. Uh, then I found the British Barbecue Society forum. You know, I joined that. I got ideas from there. I was amazed at the way that people would help out and share give tips, um, and I thought that was absolutely fantastic, uh, and just just started looking, researching. I couldn't afford to buy some of the smokers, but when you realise the principles that they work on, then they're quite easy to build. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an engineer by any means. Uh, my welding skills are non-existent, so I try and do non-weld builds. So making the ugly drums was fantastic. Uh, and then cooking on them and finding out just how well they cooked, you know. And it, from then onwards, it went, I'd, I'd see something, I'd think, right, what way can I copy that? Um, how can I make it for myself? And it's just gone on from there. So I was going to ask you what skills you'd need to be able to build your own. And I would assume that welding was probably one of the top skills that you'd need so you're saying you've, you can build all these creative things without using a welder um i try my hardest to yes yeah. um otherwise i've got friends that weld i mean when you look at some of the fantastic um creations that they're just from barbecue mates 
mm. makes. I mean, they're just just works of art. Yeah, you know, yeah, no are. way, no way am I in in that league. I just try and use things that I find. I mean, the tense the sort of nickname the human womble. <laughs> I will find something and think, right, I can convert it into that. And do you have so a cell like you've upcycling. created? Pardon? Do you have a cell the creations you've made? I have um, sold um, ugly gems and that in the past, um, but I haven't concentrated on it as much as I should. You've also known, uh, been known to give a few away at, at events, I believe, after you've done a demo. Um, not as yet. Um, this year, um, what I'm going to do is do some demos uh, about building drums, and then I'm going to raffle them off at the end of the day or throughout the day. So that'll be a great, great day to come along to. Which, uh, which ones are you doing that at? Um, I'm this year. I've got uh, Burnham on Sea Food Festival, which is a local food festival, uh, where I'm uh, going down to be cooking with um, John Gower from um, Quiet Waters Farm. I think Marcus Borden's going to be there. I think they've got quite an eclectic, eclectic um, lineup. Um, last year I cooked at. Powderham, we've got Powderham again this year, uh, I'm competing at Grill Stock this year, where I'm probably going to get my ass kicked, <laughs> um, where else, um, I said Powderham, uh, I'm going to the, the Big Meet, uh, where I'll be doing a demonstration on making drums there, um, and hopefully there'll be a few more in the offing. So that'd be an awesome, uh, awesome chance to go and find out how to make a, a drum smoker there, and and also you'll be raffling the one you make away at the end of the uh, end of the session, which is awesome. Yep. Yes, I'm um, looking looking forward to that. So um, going back to the f- sorry, carry on. No, it's that's okay. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> As I say, going back to the cooking a bit now, I wondered if you had like a favourite wood and stuff, and like if you're on a farm. Do you have a lot of your own wood and stuff that's growing on the farm that you get to produce that cooking from your own products? Um, yes, I do. I used to do a lot of forestry and tree surgery work. So working with chainsaws um, was what I used to do. So um, we've got a lot of fruit woods um, that we get from jobs like that. I like to use um, woods that other people don't really use that much, things like hawthorn. I mean, you can use all nutting and burying woods, um, hawthorn berries and it gives a very very nutty flavour to the meat nice. um, never heard of that that's awesome definitely give that a go yeah um, I use <laughs> my pear tree blew down in the orchard so I've been using a lot of pear which is absolutely fantastic for chicken um, I use quite a bit of cherry um, if I was doing a, a big burn in the, the block pit that I've got then I would use in the main um, ash uh, because I can get that in large quantities because if you get, must appreciate it takes a lot of wood to fill that pit mm. to keep it running through the night yeah I bet I bet yeah when uh, I, I was a boy scout when I was younger and they always used to tell us that ash was the best wood to get a fire going and you always remembered it by the fact it was ash and ash was in a fire yeah um, ash wood burns wet or dry you can cut down a, an ash tree um, and then burn that straight away I mean, I wouldn't re- really recommend it for smoking for doing that because mm. you want decent seasoned wood, but it will burn wet or dry. Yeah. Uh, I'll use birch. Um, what else have I been using just lately? 
the hawthorn, the birch, that's a cherry, pear, plum. Mm -hmm. I've been using plum wood. I like that. Um, uh, I, I also use acacia, okay. but only a very, very small amount. I'm talking a really small amount. And that's about the closest flavour you'll get to mesquite in this country. Ah, okay. That's good to know. And the mesquite's quite a strong one. Is it quite powerful one? Quite easy, quite easy yes. to get overboard with. So is that the same then? Yes. That's like yes, the British so. version. It's, it's an African um, tree. But acacia gives a smoke very much like mesquite, but you've got to use it very, very sparingly. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Nice to hear some uh, some, some wood that you don't normally hear about, which is pretty cool. So you, you mentioned that you're a farmer. What, what sort of stuff do you farm? Um, I used to milk cows. Um, so I milked cows for 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we stopped the milking. Uh, I reared on uh, beef stock. Uh, then I did some work for ADAS. Um, I grew hemp for the government for a year. And <laughs> Just for the government? Or? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was the first farmer in the West Country to get a license um, to grow hemp mm. uh, in, this, in the West Country. Um, and now I look after some of my cousin's stock. Uh, run out the grass keep and contract grow maize. Well, it's got a lot, a lot on the go then. Yes, it's not as hectic as it was milking cows. Though. No. It's not twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. No. I suppose with everything else you got going on, though, it's quite nice to to still have have your farm going and all that hard work, but at the same time, maybe sparing up some time to do other bits and pieces. Yes, yes, it is. I mean, when we were milking, you were you were just constantly stuck to the farm. Yeah, and you've got kids as well, haven't you, Simon? Yes, I've got two children, Olivia and Harley. Yeah, what's what's their favourite thing that Daddy cooks for them? Um, they like the version of um, fried chicken that I do on the barbecue. That's their favourite. Yeah, what's yeah. what's in your fried chicken? Um, I cook it on a, a fifty-seven kettle barbecue. Mm -hmm. Um. And it's just um, chicken thighs. You can use boneless or you can use bone chicken thighs. Um, it's a basic copycat recipe um, of a, a southern fried chicken that you can find on the internet. But it's just basically salt, uh, pepper, paprika, cayenne pepper, garlic powder, onion powder. You can add um, dried herbs if you want to. Um, and then it's dipped in uh, egg mixture and rolled in the seasoned flour. Okay. And then you just, just deep fry that, or do you put that on the grill no, first? No, I, I don't deep fry that. I cook that um, around the edge of a, a Weber 57, and I use a homemade vortex. Okay. So that I can get intense heat into the barbecue, but also add a smoky flavour. I saw one of the vortexes. So, what, can you explain to listeners what what they are and what um, they do? It, it's more or less a cone. It's a, an inverted cone. It works along the same principle as a charcoal starter. Okay. When I said before, um, all of the the smoking methods, all of the smokers, everything else uh, has a, a a basic principle to it. If you can recreate that principle, then you get the effect that you want. So I took the top off of an old um, hibachi, 
uh, a cast iron pot belly hibachi stove, and I use that upside down, <coughs> excuse me, um, in the, the weather, uh, put on the, the charcoal grate, and I fill that with a full kettle of lit charcoal, put the grill on, and then put all the, the chicken all the way around the outside. That's very different there. I've not done that before. Have you done that? Before? Yeah, put, put the lid on it. Um, when I was at Grillstock um, last year, Alan was measuring, Alan Lowe from Hammer and Tongs was measuring the temperature. I think we've had it lit for about 10 minutes, and that was over 500 degrees Fahrenheit and climbing. Wow. <laughs> well, so good for a quick, hot, and fast then. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people being uh, just on the on the charcoal starter chimneys and they've got the grates on top you can get like the cast iron grates on top and stuff like that and then just fill the chimney up and they get up pretty hot pretty quickly and you can just literally chuck a steak on top of the charcoal starter which is quite a cool way like if it's just doing steak for one or something you get this quick easy way to get going oh yes yeah and I mean it's, it's quite a simple way I mean it's also a really good way to, to boil a pan of water really fast or you know anything that you want cooking fast like that um, and I've seen that product, and it looks to be really well made. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good way of using the um, the kettle stove. So if you don't want to uh, fill up the barbecue, cool. So if we can talk a little bit about the barbecue champ and like how that came about. How did you hear about the show, and what was the application process like for that? <laughs> uh, that was like, that was a nightmare. I've mentioned before, I'm a totally not a technophobe. Well, Luddites with commu- uh, computers. Um, I saw on uh, a lot of the social media forums that um, people were advertising, you know, that if they wanted to to enter or to audition. Um, I tried opening up uh, the attachment and found out my computer was that old. It didn't have a, a, a the Windows program that I had on my computer it wouldn't read. The application form. Okay, good start. Uh, yeah, <laughs> brilliant start. Um, I was um, doing a birthday party for my daughter, and uh, she didn't want normal burgers and sausages. She wanted daddy's food for her friends. Uh, and I invited a friend of mine who's a bit of a technological whiz kid. He came round, uh, logged on to my internet connection and went, oh yeah, we can do this, we can do that. And I said, well, what's he involved? And he said, oh, you've got to do a two-minute video. And I said, well, that's me out for starters. He said, no, I've got my mobile phone. So he followed me around on the Saturday afternoon where I was doing uh, a barbecue for my daughter, videoing me. Uh, he came back to me uh, on the Monday and said, uh, I've got the video down to two minutes. Um, meet up, you answer the questions on the application form. So we did that. Uh, he hit the send button and he said, It's too late now, mate, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and literally, that was that. So, uh, two or three days later, uh, I'm getting a phone call asking, Would I take some food up and go up to London to audition? Great. So lucky that you had a good friend there that could come and help you out with that. Yes, yeah, I do need good friends with technology. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you take up then to London with you? Um, I took up um, a, a few different chicken dishes. I took up um, some of the uh, southern-style chicken that I do. 
I took up um, some chicken with um, uh, raw garlic pesto inside of it and bacon wrapped. And I took up one of my favourites. Uh, I know this sounds really bad, but I do a peanut butter and jelly chicken. Tell us more. Um, literally, um, boneless chicken thighs, um, slightly flattened out, uh, rubbed with the uh, red currant jelly that I used, peanut butter over the top, rolled up, wrapped in mustard, uh, and cooked in uh, mustard, wrapped in bacon, and then cooked in indirect on the barbecue. I've got to try that now. Yeah, sounds <laughs> awesome. I'm just wondering how you could wrap in mustard, though. That confused yeah. me for a second. <laughs> Mustard leaves. <laughs> uh, you can also you can also paint the if you you put the the peanut butter and the jelly in and when you roll it round. But then you can also paint the outside of the chicken with the the jelly and then wrap that in a, a bacon weave. Hmm. And how did that go down? I'm guessing it went down well. Uh, the application. <laughs> well, they all seemed to enjoy it. Uh, I went through the rest of the audition, which was um, there were almost like some quizzes or. Um, that you had to do, they wanted to test your knowledge of barbecue. Um, then we had to do um, an ingredients where you had to check, you know, and identify all these different ingredients, herbs, spices, whatever. And then you had 10 minutes to cook a steak meal in a professional kitchen. So not, not on a barbecue? Not on a barbecue. No. So you still had to show you can cook you, in a you real to, kitchen. You had, to, you had to show that you could cook under pressure. Yeah. And you obviously did well because you made it onto the show. Yeah. <laughs> so how was it from there? Was it all sort of all guns blazing next step or were you... It, it was all guns blazing. We had to go up to London. Um, uh, turned up in London for the next part and felt like turning around and walking away. Uh, I walked into the production company's offices to find Emma Mullist from Bunch of Swans fame sat there and she was one of the contestants in front of me and I thought, well, that's it, I don't stand a chance now. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. When you started off, did you think, all right, I'm going to win this? I no. Not. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to do well. Yeah. Um, uh, and quite honestly, I think all of the contestants were all sad, you know, that no one wanted to go out first. No. Everyone uh, had already had to prove that they could cook, um, you know, through the audition process. And I mean, no one wants to be the first person out. But going to cook for Adam Richmond, you know, that was just the biggest buzz out. Yeah. I mean, the uh, Bunch of Swines know. have got an awesome reputation in the UK barbecue scene. And Emma, Emma from there, that must have been, a, like you said, a, a bit of a daunting one when you're walking in the room and, and knowing you're going to be cooking against someone, someone of her calibre, which, uh, which is a really high standard. Yes, it certainly was. And did you know yeah. any of the other contestants that were there? Um, no, I didn't. Um, Tony, I know, has uh, been on the, the barbecue scene. Um, and he was up at Manchester when I was up there competing at Grillstock, but I didn't see him at the time. Um, but all the contestants got on well. Um, it, was, it, was, it really was an experience. Yeah. A fantastic experience. That's cool to hear because sometimes you hear on these shows that actually behind the scenes all the contestants like hated each other, drama, drama, drama. So it's actually quite nice that in the barbecue scene, the barbecue world, all the contestants got on well because that's exactly what I would expect. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I guess there was a bit of drama, but that's just down to little mistakes that could be made. Uh, I mean, people don't realise the, the amount of pressure that we were put under with the challenges. I mean, no one expects uh, to go out and to try and win 25 grand that people are going to make it easy for you. No. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, so what, what were some of the, the toughest challenges that you remember from the, from the experience? Oh, toughest challenges... Um, I enjoyed all of the challenges, um, and all of the challenges stretched um, me, myself personally, and I think they stretched the other contestants. Um, you know, some people had their favourite dishes and all the rest of it. I mean, I was stunned to find that I won the dessert challenge, where my idea of desserts really is crackers and cheese yeah <laughs> i mean i'm not saying that i don't make desserts but it was i was i, I was i was stunned with that um i like doing american style low and slow uh we got the chance to do that once um in london uh cooking off of one of john finch from grill stocks pits and i was actually cooking off of christian stevenson's uh pit dj barbecue that was a good challenge, but still wasn't really low and slow. We had five hours to complete that challenge. Yeah, and that was your longest time you were given on a challenge, was it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How much notice were you given before each challenge like as to um, what it was going to be? Was it literally like, this is what you're doing, or did you need to prepare in advance what you were going to cook? You, you have to come up with recipes. Recipes have to be in by a certain time, and then it's bang on with the challenge. Yeah. It's five hours isn't isn't a long time for any any low and slow cook really not a lot you can sort of uh, you can cook in that sort of time so that must have been a, a tricky one. Well, it was. Um, none of us were really confident about cooking on a big offset. You know, there's not that. There's getting more and more of, of the big offsets in this country now, but none of us were that confident about that. Uh, it's getting the temperature up. You know, it was. We had to cook hot and fast, as you'd expect for you know a challenge to be done like that in five hours. Mm. So it's getting those temperatures up and keeping those temperatures up. I mean, at one point, Mark Blatchford came over and said, "Oh, aren't you worried about the colour of the smoke mm. coming out of the stack?" <laughs> and I'm saying that the, the meat wouldn't have been in the smoke long enough for it to do any damage. Yes, I would have done if I was doing a low and slow cook, but when we were doing hot and fast, I just needed to get that heat ramped up. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. You mentioned that some of the other cooks had their favourite things that they had cooked, and you mentioned you you smashed the desserts unexpectedly, but did you have a, a favourite cook that you did on the show? Uh, the favourite cook was the, the rabbit I did. Talk us through that. Um, I, 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 I cut down the rabbit and cut out the saddle. Um, then I boned out the saddle. I... Um, took all the pluck, whatever call the pluck, so that's the, the liver, the heart, the kidneys, took that, chopped that down, mixed that with um, a lot of um, English herbs. I tried to keep that um, as, as sort of less country as possible, so I mixed that with garlic, onions, rosemary, thyme, um, and I sauteed that off uh, the offal mixture um, just a little bit, Put that into the, uh, the bone out rabbit saddle, uh, rolled that in bacon, tied that off, 
uh, cook that indirect and then crisp that up. So it was like a reverse sear. Mm. I did on that. You have to be really, really careful with that. You can ruin it in a heartbeat. It dries out. It's such a lean meat. It can dry out so fast. So temperature control and not taking it above its optimum temperature was really, really important. So I took that off probably five degrees lower temperature than it needed to be to finish so that the rest would carry on cooking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, uh, uh, like potato, I did um, sliced potatoes uh, very thinly, cut down almost like crisps. Um, I also did um, honey roasted um, carrots, honey roasted beetroot, and charred asparagus. And I made a cider um, mustard sauce to go with that. Was this a tried and tested recipe that you've done a few times before? I've cooked rabbit quite a few times. Uh, I like to shoot. I like to go and get my own rabbits. Uh, but I think this was the most... Uh, I pushed myself on that one. Yeah, that's, really there's a lot involved in that, isn't it? That's not just stick yeah. a rabbit on the barbecue. <laughs> no. Uh, the presentation was the, the thing that I struggled with, you know... For, for a lot of us that cook low and slow, it's cooking a big hunk of meat, um, getting some um, buns and coleslaw and serving it out like that. Yeah. It's, you, you had to make everything look pretty. Uh, it was a huge learning curve for me, and I think it was a huge learning curve for the uh, other contestants. Is that something that's stuck with you since then? Do you now, uh, actually, like at home and stuff, do you tend to present your food a little bit better, or do you just go the, down down how you were before? No, I've, uh, I take the time over the presentation now. I realise just how important that presentation is. That's really cool. Cool. And and sorry, just just to touch on their rabbit, what sort of temperature are people aiming for for the rabbit? Is that about one one fifty five, one sixty? No, no, you're taking it miles over there. Okay, so uh, where where I are we think, going then? I think I took it to one four nine, one five one was finishing temperature. I can't. I've got it written down somewhere, cause, uh, but it's around that temperature. And especially if you're using farmed rabbits. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, if, you, if you're using a wild rabbit, then you'd want to treat it like chicken, but you will dry it out. Unless you're basting it, or you've wrapped that um, in quite a bit of bacon. Okay. You need, you need something with some oil to baste it. Cool. So I'm guessing when you started off, there must have been a question in there somewhere about if you win, what are you going to spend the money on? Did you have a, <laughs> did you have a did you have a good plan as to what you wanted to do with it, and have you managed to do what you wanted to do? Um, my mother was uh, in a care home for a long while, and those bills get very expensive. I bought my partner a car, um, and I bought myself a truck so that I can carry on working, so I can tow my barbecues. Um, and take my stuff about, and also transport the kids about. Cool. So it's made a good difference to your life? Um, <laughs> yes, it has, and enabling me to, to buy things like that, yes. Yeah. And are you still in touch with, with many people from the show now, or...? or? Uh, I speak to Emma, I've speak, spoken to Duncan, to Tony, to Nicola, um, I've seen Kudip, um... Solomon, uh, we're, we're all in, in contact, you know, things like WhatsApp um, and Messenger. 
cool. cool. Awesome. I think I saw the other day that that barbecue champs in Brazil now. Is it going to start in Brazil? I think was that. I don't know. I just sort of it, saw something. Yes, it's uh, they've got their own version. Uh, it's called Barbecue Brazil, from what I've seen um, from the internet. I did get a message from someone I know who was over in New Zealand. That was about a month back to say they were uh, they couldn't believe to see me on television in New Zealand. <laughs> so obviously, it's been put out to New Zealand. Um, the series that uh, we were involved in. Awesome, awesome. cool. So it's. It's hitting the worldwide scene then, slowly but surely. It's getting there. Uh, yeah, so I'm led to believe. Have you, have you gained much fame from it? Are you walking through the streets with people seeing, saying hello? Um, yes, yes, some people do say hello. Um, uh, a lot of people have had um, uh, some work from it. People have asked me to cook for um, dinner parties for them, do catering days. Yeah, it's a good status to have, I guess, in, for the UK barbecue. <laughs> Yes, yes. So you're. It can, f- it can be. It can be quite embarrassing at times as well. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All I'm getting is cracks about um, alleged uncooked chicken. But yeah. Well, we didn't bring it up. <laughs> you, <laughs> you brought it up. I was waiting for it. <laughs> but you said alleged. So do you think it was? It was actually cooked I, right, I, just I, dramatized I, for I, TV. I, so I temperature probed that. Um, and we have to do what they call Vox Pops after um, you've done your challenge. And I was absolutely mortified. I thought, that's it, I'm going home. Mm. I'm going home. And I got back to my station to find there wasn't a bit of my food left at the station. There was just um, clean bones. Yeah, so they had to uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I think it speaks for itself. Yeah. When I've done that, I mean, the sort of thigh meat and and uh, leg meat, you're talking a little bit darker there, a little bit redder there, and when you smoke it as well, you're getting that red... F- people, I've had people think that some of that's... And I, I always, with chicken, I do tend to cook to temperature, and I always temperature probe it before I serve it. I know 100% that it is cooked. And people have, have asked the question, is that cooked? Or they bite into mm. it, and they see that red colour, and they, they're a bit, a bit worried because they've always been told this and that about chicken, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's an easy, I guess it's for the average eye or for the unexperienced eye. It's it's an easy mistake to to make, but yeah, no, I, I sometimes think that that it looks that way, but it definitely is cooked. So I agree with you. If, yeah, if you don't remove the, the veins properly that are close to the bone, that can make it look quite pink towards the bone. Also, the way that the chicken's reared at the moment, um, most of the chicken that we buy is reared very intensely. Um, and it's a sad thing to say that quite often their skeletons aren't developed enough to support the, the muscles. So quite often you can get, you can open up a, a thigh when you're eating it and you'll find that bone is cracked. Or the thigh bone might have been broken either through the, the slaughtering process or whatever. And that will leak. Um, the fluid, uh, the marrow from the bone, and that will give it a pink tint. Mm-hmm. But these guys were judges that were bar- like food professionals, so they should understand that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, 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 they were both very professional. Yeah. Very professional. Yeah. Cool. I mean, do you, do you uh, going back to your own cooking here, I think you're. I mean, from from watching you and stuff like that, you tend to be a bit more natural in your cooking sort of style. Do you do you brine and do you inject your food often? Um, 
I'll bring chicken. Um, uh, I like to use uh, my competition team and uh, the catering thing is um, soda pig. Um, that came about because um, I used local soda from the village and I was buying local pork that was fed on the apple premise. Um, so that is one thing. I, I, I will only inject if I'm doing the competition and the competition seems quite new to me. But brining, yes, I do brine quite a bit, but some of chicken I'll brine with buttermilk. Um, also, I cider brine. Okay, cool. So um, what, what's the uh, the cider, or oh, is that just cider and salt then, or is that something different? How do you cider brine? Um, I'll use the cider as the main uh, liquid instead of the uh, uh, water. Uh, and then I'll add... Um, flavorings as I feel on the day. So um, I'd warm the cider up, um, dilute the, so that the, the sugar and the salt um, dissolves, uh, and then I just start playing with different herbs, um, hot sauce, uh, garlic, chucking whole onion rings. Uh, the chicken gets boiled in that. Uh, sometimes only for a day, sometimes for a couple of days. And awesome, you um, also mentioned buttermilk as well. Could you just explain explain that to the listeners, is that right? Uh, yeah, the buttermilk, um, I quite often brine chicken in, in uh, a milk or buttermilk solution, uh, and that tends to tenderise the chicken as well. I love I love buttermilk, Brian, I love that. It's, it is uh, massively underrated. I didn't. I didn't only came across it uh, in the forum, uh, Country Wood Smoke forum, recent or not recently, about six months ago, about a year ago maybe. And uh, it, I love doing that every now and again. It, it does give great, great sort of uh, tenderization to the, the chicken. A lovely flavour as well. Yeah, I got it. I yeah. saw it on a Jimmy and Jamie's thing a little while ago. He was doing southern fried chicken, and they did it with buttermilk. So I've always done it since I saw it on there, and it definitely makes yeah. a difference. I like it. Well, you can also add herbs, hot sauce. You know, to that, mm. you know, so that you add another dimension to the flavors. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, uh, it goes back. I mean, that that milk again. It's, it's the same thing. It's like anything with fats, really. Uh, a lot of uh, Iranian, which is my sort of uh, f- background, my uh, and they use a lot of sort of full fat Greek yogurt and stuff like that for their marinades. So it's like anything with like a high fat content is really good for marinades. Really good for for tenderizing the meat and uh, really helps penetrate. So anything you add into like a, a f- like a, a fat marinade or actually the fat draws in the 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 flavours and stuff really well to the meat you marinate in so that's a really good tip to, to use yeah I, I use um, yogurt um, to um, help tenderize some of the venison that I cook mm. um, that can be left uh, with a mixture of herbs or berries and that works really really well yeah awesome I, I use it a lot with, with lamb and stuff like that as well so I love it. I love the. I love the way it, it makes the the meat sort of so tender and so nice, especially when grilling. When you're finishing off over like a a grill, it, it, the flavors are awesome. Yeah, we're both yeah. massive fans of lamb. I think you've got quite a good lamb recipe that you have. You've, you do, don't you? Sorry, you've got a good lamb recipe that you've. Um, done, I've got you? a, a, a nice recipe that um, I've tweaked a little bit. Uh, I got this off of the internet. It's a Kentucky black barbecue sauce. Okay. Um, it's a, a dipping and muffing sauce um, that is used in Kentucky because a, a lot of things that they barbecue there is mutton. And as you know, mutton can be quite a strong, fatty meat. 
and this just cuts through that. So I use it with lamb, and I actually used this sauce um, when I cooked the lamb on barbecue champ, um, and it is literally just a mixture of water being the main part. Um, white vinegar, brown vinegar, doesn't matter. Um, some pepper, uh, brown sugar, allspice, and then your, your onion powder, garlic powder, your salt, some lemon juice, um, then I used some uh, hot maggie. Hot maggie. Uh, yeah, and then uh, you just mix all those ingredients, uh, take it up to a simmer, and uh, you can use that as a cooling juice, you can use that as a dipping juice for your meat when it's cooked, or a mopping juice if you're cooking on a grill. Great. You just combine all that together in a saucepan? Yep, and just let it bubble gently away. Mm. When you're making that, would you make a load of it up so you've got it for use next time, or you always just make it up for that use that time? I, I tend to make up a little bit more than I need, but it's, it doesn't hang about long. No. <laughs> Sorry, what what is hot Maggie? Uh Maggie, it's a seasoning, uh, a liquid seasoning. Yeah, the little it's yellow the yellow label one. I th- I, th- I know what you mean, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but the hot ones, um slightly yeah, but you can use normal Maggie, but I I just prefer to use the hot Maggie. Mm. Are you a bit of a chili fiend? Uh, I have been known to, well, no, I've been known to be stitched right up by chilies. (laughs) I was sat on stage at Grillstock in London, and a certain person, uh, hopefully he'll be listening to this, because there is some payback coming for him. Um, we, We were expecting that some of the chicken wings or that might be rather hot, but you don't expect to be given some pork ribs that have been painted, I think it was with about 5 million Scoville essence. <laughs> um, nice. And who was yeah. that? Who was that? That <laughs> evil person? Who <laughs> <laughs> knows who he is? In fact, I blamed, I blamed the wrong person, first off. Okay. And then the wrong person, yeah, I blamed Priscilla. I blamed Steve, first mm. of all, because I thought that was the type of trick he would pull. And he was uh, not annoyed with me blaming him. He was annoyed that he hadn't thought of it first. <laughs> <laughs> so was it, when was that? Was that at Grillstock last year? That was at uh, London. Oh, the London, London one, yeah. yeah. So you competed at Bristol last year? Um, I've actually uh, been helping Alan Lowe from Hammer and Tongs. Okay. Uh, I got to... The, the the competition bug came when I went to one of Toby Shea's in the British Barbecue Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a judging course. And I went on the judging course thinking, uh, like I try and reverse engineer most other things, I thought, if I know what the judges are looking for, then I'll know a little bit better how to try and cook it. So uh, I went along and Alan uh, was one of the teams that was cooking for um, all the people that were on the judging course. Uh, and I got speaking with him, and he very kindly offered me the chance um, to come along and help him compete at the Grillstock Festivals. Awesome. Uh, so you, are you a member of the team now, a full, fully-fledged member of Hammer and Tongs? Uh, no. Um, uh, this year, I'm going to be competing under my own name at Grillstock. Okay. What, what's, the, what's that name? What's it, have you got a team name, or is it Simon Dyer? Uh, yeah, it's, no, it's the Cider Pig Q4U crew. 
Cool. Awesome. Who, who else is on your crew? Um, I've got um, a local landlord of a pub that I frequent. Um, I've got two people that actually helped Ed and Emma out um, last year in London, mm-hmm. um, Jason and Chris, that are coming down to, to give a hand. Um, I shall have my partner Anita there. Um, and uh, I think that's about it at the moment. Sounds like a good team. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Looking forward to uh, to seeing how you guys do this year. Well, yeah, no doubt I'll get my ass kicked. But um, it, 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 going to competitions is an absolutely fantastic experience. Mm. You don't realise the time and effort that the people in the teams put in, the amount of practice that they put in, uh, the amount of money that it costs. You know, to practice brisket's not cheap. Neither is neither are ribs, uh, and people put a lot of time and a lot of effort. I mean, Ed and Emma, they're all over the world. Alan has uh, has competed uh, helping Toby out in America, uh, competes over Europe, competes in England. You know, it's uh, it's a lot of time and effort and commitment. Mm. So, have you been practicing much? Uh, I haven't had that much chance to practice. I've been practicing with Chef's Choice. Um, uh, the only trouble is I keep deciding I'm going to do something different. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I've got a few ideas there. Uh, the chicken I've been practicing, I've just got to start really working on my ribs and brisket. Have you got like a favourite round that you think, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to do all right in that round? Um, no. We've <laughs> <laughs> got a worst around then. <laughs> um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy them all. Yeah. I mean, I, I learned a lot from watching Alan. Uh, I went up to uh, a very, very informative um, barbecue course that was run by Steve Hayes, uh, Jello Swing Tricks, Priscilla. Uh, and that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, there's some other really good courses out there at the moment. I mean, Toby's uh, done one. Ed and Emma are doing one in um, conjunction with Richard Orme from Barbecue Gourmet. Um, Alan, Charlie and Steve are running one. I think it's called Fifty Shades of Q. <laughs> so there's, there's a, a lot of courses going mm. out there. And if people you know, are interested in the competition scene, then you know, I recommend all of them. Good. Are you going to be using any... Uh, competition rubs or are you going to make your own rubs when you go to compete I started off making rubs um, and you end up buying huge amounts of spices that as we all know you try and keep them airtight but they degrade quite fast um, I really like the the homegrown rubs that are coming out of Britain now mm-hmm. um, I've, I've been using uh, a lot of smoking team smoking penguin rubs uh, and I've been using a huge amount of the Red Man Barbecue Army, which is Steve Hayes' works. Mm. And his sources, they, they are absolutely fantastic. I think they're as good as anything that you can buy from Barbecue Gourmet. And they seem to be set more, uh, used for backyard barbecue. You can use them for competition barbecue. Uh, but I find uh, quite a few of the American webs are a bit too salty for me. Yeah. Yeah, we found that as well, haven't we? But we we're definitely fans of the one man uh, one man army 
Oh man, barbecue army. Barbecue army. Yeah. yeah, I actually I'm gonna have to say it that I haven't tried the the uh, team penguin ones yet, no. and I'm definitely gonna give them a go. I've heard a lot of people saying a lot of good things, and it's nothing. I haven't not tried them for any reason, just haven't got a ground to. So definitely gonna get on and order some of those uh, for me to give a try because uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. You won't regret them. You won't regret it. I mean, they they are stunning mods. I mean, they're the ones that I'm using at the moment. Um, yeah, fantastic. You find a product you like. Um, you know, for competition, things are tweaked. But they, they work as well, as I said, back there, as they do for competition. I mean, uh, all of the teams that have used them have had really good results. Cool. So what, have you got any what's next for Simon Dyer that you can tell us now? Can we expect um, a cookbook following the barbecue champ winner or not? Uh, yes, uh, I still want to do the cookbook. Um, I've been gradually getting recipes together. Um, you know, some old ones that I've been using for a long while. I'm coming up with some new ones. I've had uh, some meetings with... Um, some uh, local businesses um, and uh, maybe doing some recipe development um, for some of them um, and helping promote their products. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm still waiting for confirmation on that, but uh, that's uh, uh, an exciting development for me. Great. So if anyone wants to catch up with Simon this year, it's worth looking out for a few of the barbecue competitions and food festivals such as Powderham I saw you at Powderham last year and watched yeah, a few Burnham of the good demos sea. that you were doing there uh, the big meat you mentioned and grill stock yeah. is going to be at all of those guys so you can definitely catch Simon there Simon mentioned he's a technophobe but you definitely can find his presence on the uh, social media so Simon where can people find you um, they can find me at now you put me on the spot haven't you <laughs> <laughs> they can find me at www.barbecuesimon.co.uk They can find me at Simon Dyer on Facebook um, at Simon Dyer Womble on Twitter and um, there's another site that I've got that's uh, called Cider Pig at C-Y-D-E-R Pig Q-Q-O uh, Facebook page as well Great Thanks very much. Awesome. So, guys, get on there and uh, follow Simon. Message him. Ask him questions. He'll he always tries best to get back to you and uh, and uh, try and help you out. So, thank you very much, Simon, for coming on the show. We're we're approaching the hour mark, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tie it off there. So, thank you very much, Simon. It's been great to have you on. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. And we're we're both looking forward to uh, seeing you at some events this year. So, so thank you very much. All right. All the best. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Bye. See you later on. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, guys, to United Q Barbecue Podcast, the only barbecue podcast in the UK. That was brought to you by your host, Dan, from United Q and his co-host, Barbecue Forte. Goodbye. And this episode is brought to you by our kind sponsors, ProQ Smokers. ProQ is dedicated to providing you with quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and uh, catch you next week.